a tournament final, a smashed up dressing room and another resignation. It's been quite a month for the Bangladesh cricket team. Joining me to talk about it is Gaurav Sundaraman from ESPN Crick Info. I'm Roshan Alam and this is the Bangla Cricket Podcast. Gaurav, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. So let's talk about the last month with the Bangladesh cricket team and both of our, our teams, India and Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, were taking part in the Nidahas Trophy. Um, I think we should probably split our thoughts in half. So let's talk about the on-field first and we can come and discuss all of the off-field antics um, in, in a moment. But what are your thoughts on the tournament uh, as, a, like, as a whole in Bangladesh and India's performances? I think it was a great tournament, actually. Uh, it came at a time when uh, a lot of cricket had been played and uh, people were not sure how this tournament would pan out, uh, considering India had not sent their full-strength team as well. Uh, but it actually ended up being much closer than what many people anticipated. Uh, a lot of matches were close. It went down to the wire. We saw Bangladesh doing really well, chasing some high scores, uh, which they usually are not uh, good at. And uh, I think it was a great tournament and it had a fitting finale. Uh, it 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 ended up being perfectly for the fan, you know, uh, who who usually watches this casual cricket. I think that tournament uh, was perfect for them. Yeah, it was um, it was reassuring for me as a Bangladesh fan because I think T20 is a format that we have struggled with. We're you know the lowest ranked uh, in T20 compared to the other sort of two formats. So to see some of our batsmen like showing their maturity, that like, we saw great performances from Mushfiqur Rahim. I think he scored seventy two uh, in two matches, and then obviously Marmadullah in that penultimate match uh, against Sri Lanka where he kept his head and scored a six to win the match. So I think it was incredible for Bangladesh to see how far some of our players had come and the kind of maturity they developed and showing their experience and going, actually, this is a format we can win. We just need to come up with a, a decent game plan and then stick to it. And they executed it well. Um, there was also kind of quite reassuring bowling performances for me as well. Mustafa Rahman started to take wickets again. Rubble Hussain looked in good form. Two players who I think are sort of since uh, our South Africa tour last year, sort of struggled for form, I think, a little bit. I have to say, I feel like we're getting close to beating India. I know India have beaten us in every T20 match we've ever played, but I think that winning from a six off the last ball is as close as it can get in a T20 match. So I feel like we are one game away from beating you. Yeah, obviously, if you remember the World T20 game as well, we, uh, Bangladesh came very close. So the fact is the T20 format itself, reduces the gap between the weaker teams and the stronger teams. And uh, one thing, Roshan, I would like to maybe make, Bangladesh are not new to cricket anymore. Uh, a lot of teams still look at Bangladesh as uh, uh, underdogs. And I think they've come a long way. They've played now for almost 18 years. I would expect to see them win more consistently. Uh, it's not enough to come close and then lose uh, every single time. And uh, it's high time they start winning more consistently. Yes, they've shown glimpses in all formats over the last two, three years. But uh, it requires it. It requires a team to be more consistent. Uh, the T20 format, that too, this was not the main Indian team. You didn't have the likes of Kohli and Dhoni and st- uh, the other good players. So uh, I would have actually wanted to see Bangladesh win the win this uh, tournament more to make a statement. But if they're not able to get to the past the final hurdle, uh, the perception is always going to be slightly different. People are going to say that, oh, Bangladesh will not be able to uh, make the final hurdle. And uh, they, they need more trophies, you know. They need to make a statement to world cricket. They need to do that. It's a absolutely fair point to make. And I think the mindset is shifting. I think in like the early noughties, when we first got test stages, if we'd, um, if we'd come close 
in a match, we'd be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Or if we lost a match, we'd be like, oh, Bangladesh have lost another match. Whereas now, there's genuine disappointment and expectation. Like, we went into that final with India thinking we can win this. It wasn't, uh, we're going to turn up and give out our best shot and come out with a bit of credibility. So I think I think the mindset is, is changing. Um, I think they've been quite honest about what they need to sort out, what they need to fix. You know, we're a formidable side at home. And I think the South Africa tour and the New Zealand tour last year both sort of highlighted some of the cracks in our team. But I think they've come back and gone, here's what we need to work on. And I think those experienced players, I think, you know, we've got a World Cup in just over a year. And I think things are coming together. It feels like we're sort of fixing our house and getting ourselves in order at the minute. But I'm hoping by the spring of 2019, we'll be looking in like good shape because we'll have fig- figured out the solutions to all the kind of things that we need to do to to win matches regularly, like you say, because we'll have nine matches in a row. Um, can we talk about the off-field antics? Uh, it's very, very interesting. And I think new with respect to Bangladesh cricket, I, I think they sometimes get overexcited. And uh, uh, for the team, which has not won so much and has not been... Uh, uh, so successful. I feel uh, this is a bit uh, overboard. Uh, yes, there are certain individuals uh, uh, who might be uh, who might be involved in this, but as a captain, as a leader, uh, I didn't expect a guy like Shakib to uh, maybe stop play or call the uh, uh, call the boys back because uh, that's not how you do. That's not how you play. I'm sure he's seen worse umpiring decisions uh, before. Uh, maybe uh, Bangladesh at that moment felt that they were favourites to win the tournament and uh, that that decision could have maybe prevented them from making the finals and I guess he was uh, he made that uh, reaction thinking about the future and thinking about whether he is able to win the trophy or not. But you know what, at the end of the day, it's not the first time Shakib has been involved in some off-field antics. He's such a star and he's not a, a star in Bangladesh, but worldwide, one of the best all-rounders in the world across formats. Uh, you would expect uh, him to maybe uh, uh, behave a bit uh, differently, uh, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Like, And I'm not going to defend Bangladesh because I was... I was disappointed. I was embarrassed. It was a, um, particularly on social media, it was a tough day being a Bangladesh fan when I feel felt like the entire Sri Lanka were going, "What are you doing in our in our stadium? What are you doing in our house?" Um, but part of me also kind of it, it was an emotional reaction. Let's not let's not deny that. But part of me kind of feels a bit not sorry for Shaki, but I kind of understand why he would have gone there because I think this is um it's a Bangladesh team who maybe feel that in the past umpiring decisions have always gone against them because they are a smaller team. And in that moment, Shaki was going, no, hang on, we can't stand for this anymore. We can't let this happen again. And it was an emotional reaction. I don't think it was the best way to deal with it. I, I think you're right. He's a superstar. And sometimes you do want your superstars to sort of act out. You know, like the reason Mario Balotelli is one of the most fun strikers to watch in football is because he he's a character, he's a personality. Um but I, I worry about the relationship now we have with with Sri Lanka. Like we saw in that final, the overwhelming support from the home fans, the Sri Lankan fans for India. And I wondered when I was watching that match how much of it was actual support for India as opposed to just a protest against Bangladesh, to be honest. Absolutely. I think you're spot on there. Even I was surprised because usually it's not like India, Sri Lanka. Uh, they also go back a long way. They have a great rivalry. But the support was uh, all for uh, India. And that was purely because, I guess, of all those celebrations, the way... Uh, uh, the uh, You know, they're sometimes in your face, Bangladesh, with their celebrations. I think uh, there are different ways they could do it uh, among themselves. You see the Caribbean guys celebrate so much, uh, but you don't 
feel uh, intimidated by those celebrations so i guess uh, they need some kind of guidance and uh, uh maybe bring the troops together and maybe plan some kind of celebration which does not really uh is not into the face yeah we have been in trouble for that before during the england tour a couple of years ago um i think mushrafi and i think sabir were both uh fined for over the top celebrations when we got got players out so yeah it is something that i think maybe the team management need to address because it is emotional reactions and i know where it comes from but at the same time, I think when it mars a great performance, and I'm great, I'm, I'm so happy that Mamadullah kept himself out of it, kept a calm head, scored the six to win in that match, and therefore kind of everyone was sort of like, no, I think everyone recognised his ability and his performance uh, because he wasn't involved in the kind of the furore around it. And then there was this dressing room window that that, that got smashed again. It just it just it was just a bit embarrassing for us. The BCB apologised. They offered to pay for a new glass door. But as a, as a cricket fan, as a Bangladesh fan, it was like, oh, guys, come on, what are you doing? It does not send a strong message to uh, the fans. And Bangladesh is such a cricket-crazy nation. I've seen matches are always full there, unlike other con- uh, other nations. So, uh, as... Uh, as role models and as cricketers, they're two superstar cricketers. You've got to uh, set the example. And uh, there are a lot of youngsters coming into the team. Uh, these guys have to pass on the baton to them. And you want to look up to them. And you want to uh, uh, maybe uh, be... Un- you need to find the next Shakib, right? And you don't want him to behave in the way he's actually been behaving in this tournament. So, that too, remember, it's not a home game. It's it, you're you're touring away and you need to set that example especially like you said we don't know what relationship is uh, is this going to affect with the Sri Lankan board and remember we are all part of the Asian Cricket Council and there are a lot of tournaments which we play together and, and there, there are times when Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and India have all helped each other out uh, uh, in terms of revenues for uh, by arranging tours uh, obviously you, you must be aware of how, how often India and Sri Lanka play so uh, uh, so it's uh, I, I, I would have really expected things to be a lot better, calmer, and maybe Bangladesh should do all their talking, walking and hitting the glass doors on the field rather than off the field. No, it was embarrassing, but um, I hope we learn from it, I think, is the only thing I can sort of say. I think everyone makes uh, everyone makes, mistaken, makes mistakes in the real world, and so I'm sort of hoping that it's a lesson learned and we sort of move on from it with kind of a calm head in the future. Um, so the next sort of problem we have off the field is we have vacant positions for the head coach uh, Chandika Hathurasinga resigned back in November we now don't have an assistant coach Richard Halsall resigned quite recently and so we haven't had a head coach now for several months we now don't have an assistant coach and I don't think we're any close to finding a replacement because we have a you know we have a world cup in about a year's time this is a time where we should be putting together a team building a squad figuring out what and how Bangladesh play, but there's no one there to do it. Why don't people want to coach Bangladesh, or what's been? What do you think has been the delay? That's a very interesting point you mentioned. With World Cup, uh, a lot of teams would start preparing for uh, the next one year in terms of plans, strategies. But with Bangladesh not having a coach, uh, first identifying that, building a rapport, then playing games, it should take another six months before the team is even set. So that's actually pretty scary for the World Cup. And yes, Courtney Walsh is doing a, a, a job now. I'm sure he did a decent job, obviously, in the Nidahas Trophy. And uh, I'm sure he has a role to play in the select, selection of coaches. I've again read a lot of articles about people rejecting the Bangladesh position. A few people applied and uh, then finally they didn't. I don't know whether it's a monetary thing or a cultural thing or... Uh, 
uh, and you know what it's also a world cup is coming so when a coach is being signed uh, he he has that as as one of his goals so maybe uh, they're a bit intimidated by the fact that it's too close to the world cup and they can't produce results yeah, I'd, I'd not thought of that. I don't think it's a monetary thing because I think Chandika Hatharasinghe was handsomely rewarded. I think it was one of the best paid, paid coaches in international cricket. But yeah, we, we've like we've interviewed, we've met with, I think they've had conversations with um, people like Richard Pybus and Phil Simmons. Phil Simmons literally went on to just sign for Afghanistan and I'm thinking, well, what was so attractive about the Afghanistan offer that Bangladesh couldn't match? And it, it suddenly become a real concern to me because I think we're sort of fudging it together a bit I'm, you're right Courtney Walsh did do a great job but even on sometimes on social media he's been called out when Bangladesh have a poor bowling performance I don't necessarily think it's entirely his fault I think he's doing a good job um, but even during the Nidahas trophy I think re- I was reading statements from uh, our chairman um, sort of saying you know you can't expect Courtney Walsh to carry the batting of the team because he is fundamentally a bowling coach and that's not the kind of confidence you want to instill in the team Um so reading that some of the senior players are taking up that kind of training position and looking after the younger players. That's quite a lot of pressure on your Shakibs and your Tamims who, you know, it's great now that they're sort of finding form and playing well. But if, I don't know, say Tamim goes through a dip in form this summer, who's there to coach him back? And I think, I don't know, it, it should be the number one priority for the BCB. And it shouldn't take nearly six months to find a replacement head coach. It's not, you know, I don't know what it is that's taking so long. I suspect that some of the coaches we've looked at maybe want to do it not necessarily on a part-time basis but like kind of come turn up for the series go home not necessarily stay in Bangladesh and actually maybe Bangladesh wants someone who is there all the time going to watch the domestic matches and working on individual player techniques and stuff like that but in which case hire hire a local coach but to have no one in that position at all for this long is a concern for me and our next series I think we've got a little while now. I think we've got a couple of months until we go to the West Indies but I like we desperately need a coach in place by then desperately who should we be going for before that I had a uh, I wanted to also pick your brains on one thing about the fact that uh, maybe the coaches are not getting enough freedom uh, to maybe uh, do their selection. I know Bangladesh, uh, a lot of people interfere with team selection and uh, uh, selection of the squad, not only the 11, but the squad for the particular tournament. So maybe uh, a lot of coaches might be demanding that they get full freedom along with the captain, especially the guys from the West uh, would uh, request that kind of uh, uh, setup, uh, but maybe that's not being given to them. I, I also foresee that could be a reason uh, where the English, Australian, South African coaches usually uh, uh, maybe want a long-term contract with a lot of freedom uh, to deliver results, but uh, maybe that's not being provided to them. That could be a reason why that's, uh, things are not shaping up. Well, I wonder whether that's a reputational thing Bangladesh have, because obviously I, I read uh, Mohammed Issam's um, uh, reports and articles on the on Crick Info, and he often describes the kind of situation as our board are saying they're not going to get involved, but then will occasionally take credit or recommend a player to be in the squad and do you know what that is off-putting for an international coach um however Chantika managed it for a few you know he you know he he coached us for three four years and he seemed to get everything he demanded and you know he threatened to quit once before and they threw more money at him I can't imagine a world where that control is more important to our board than having a regular head coach in place. Admittedly, if you're employing someone, you want them to work on your terms. Whether or not um, the rest of the world agree with them, I certainly kind of think maybe the board should be a little bit more standoffish when it comes to individual team and squad selection. Um, but I wonder whether that's something that's coming up in negotiations or if it's just a reputation Bangladesh now have and therefore international coaches aren't going for that job. So 
it is an interesting point. It is a valid point. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not too sure how many major big coaches are actually available uh, for this uh, post. Uh, I remember Tom Moody actually uh, applying for the coach for the Indian team a couple of years ago. But I guess with so many... And remember one more thing. There's so many T20 leagues around and a lot of uh, coaches have committed to these leagues. Uh, You have Dan Vettori, you have Gary Kirsten, you have different uh, coaches across the world who are now committing to T20 leagues. And Because maybe that gives them more revenue and uh, it's much less workload where they can be with family and uh, they do four leagues in a year. That's quite a lot of money. And uh, also it's... Uh, you you can balance your work life. Uh, so I guess uh, international team is a different ball game. Uh, I would look at it as a lot of youngster, young coaches, youngsters by uh, in terms of coaching experience would be the candidates who are looking to apply for this job because they would want to make a name for themselves. So I won't be surprised if there's someone very uh, uh, out of the box or somebody different who uh, actually ends up coaching Bangladesh. It looks like we're going that way, but not by choice. Like we have gone for big names, and they a lot of them have just said no. Um, I think there's currently um, a rumor that we are talking about to Gary Kirsten, but about a consultancy role, which again implies that he's been approached for the coaching job, doesn't want to do it, but has said, oh, "I'm happy to sign like a short-term contract or work with you guys or do you know something." But you're right, the IPL thing is now a more like you know the same way it is for players. It's the same for coaches; they can do two months' work in the subcontinent go back home to their families in the west you know it's it's a significantly more attractive proposal than staying in bangladesh uprooting your family moving to another you know country for a two or two three-year contract and yeah i completely understand that but if bangladesh do go left field and actually some of our coaches with the exception of maybe dav watmore and chandika i think most of our coaches haven't been high profile but you now expect bangladesh to be going to the World Cup next year thinking we can win it we, we shouldn't be going as a just participant so we need to back that with a big game coach who can lead teams to the World Cup you know I'd love to see Dav Watmore come back and do it I don't think he will but it, it worries me if we're giving if we end up giving the job to someone who is a new name or sort of developing or finding their feet or doesn't have experience in international cricket because we really should be competing with the big boys and that for me especially with the World Cup coming is too much of a gamble to take but you know, if I knew how to apply for the job, I'd be going for it, Gaurav. <laughs> I'm sure you should. <laughs> um, finally, what next for Bangladesh? What should we be focusing on in the next 12 months? we obviously got tours with, I think, West Indies and Australia this year, and then 12 months away, the World Cup. What should be our priorities as a team, as a side? I think Australia is a good shout to get an away win with, uh, without Smith and Warner. Australia may not... Uh, have their full strength bowling attack as well because of injuries that should be one of the targets and the other target obviously should be the World Cup because Bangladesh have time and again come close they showed their glimpses in the Champions Trophy but when it comes to meeting India or the bigger teams at the bigger stage they're not able to get past them so that's where I would want to see uh, different Bangladesh uh, hopefully in 2019 where uh, they actually go all the way without any uh, uh, challenges Uh, they were actually partially I would say they were lucky to uh, make the playoffs in the Champions Trophy because of the rain against Australia it was the the rain against Australia wasn't it we effectively won one match yeah, so uh, I would like to see more consistent performances. This this is a ten-team uh, World Cup, so you don't have too many easy games out there. You have to play nine. I'm guessing that would be the format, and uh, I would want to see Bangladesh win five to six games there. I, do you know, I'd so would I. If we if we went for a semi-final position, that would make my 
that'll make my life. And we've got we've also got the Asia Cup coming up this year. I think in India is that in sort of what September, end of September, I think. In September, that's what is planned. But I'm not too sure if uh, uh, that's still not official. Uh, that's how the, the schedule is there. It's honestly the most movable tournament of all time. Suddenly it changes format <laughs> or changes country. I've never really got my head around the Asia Cup. <laughs> Absolutely, which is. Which is why I said that the relationship is actually pretty good, uh, but you don't want to burn bridges there. No, quite. Gaurav, thank you so much for joining me. It's been really fun chatting. Thanks a lot. It was great talking about uh, Bangladesh and their future. And hopefully uh, the next time you have me on your podcast, uh, maybe they have a coach. Fingers crossed. If you have any thoughts on Bangla cricket, then feel free to email me, podcast at bunglacricket.co.uk, and I'll see you for the next episode very soon.